0: Hey, everyone. I know we promised an episode on China's new digital currency this week, but there was a bit of a scheduling conflict with the expert we wanted to interview. So here we are with a different show, although it's also one that we've been meaning to do. It's on the quote unquote, next big thing in China e-commerce, consumer to manufacturer or C2M.
1: Actually, it's been around a while, but the last two years is really when the Chinese e commerce giants started taking up the acronym and also started really redefining what it means, I think. And this new second iteration
0: of the term, we think, has some legs, maybe. Well, I think it's definitely got potential, but there are plenty who will disagree with me. So I'm curious what you guys will think after this episode. As far as 2020 buzzwords go, this is certainly one of them, and we'll give you the background and broader context as to why it's taking off now. If I had to summarize, though, you've got factories, brands, consumers, and e-commerce platforms, all of them having evolved significantly over the last decade. And now we're at this current juncture where C2M might just be one of those things where it's a win-win-win-win scenario for everyone involved. One important thing to note, though, it's still pretty small because anything that involves physical manufacturing just can't be as fast as deploying code. Although you'll be surprised, code is actually a central piece of C2M. We'd love to know what you think of this episode
1: tweet at us or leave us a comment on our revamped youtube channel we uploaded all of our episodes there and are working on some new original content and everything is organized into playlists so you don't have to search for all of our content on e-commerce for example just click on our e-commerce playlist. and oh yeah please definitely hit that subscribe button so you can be the first to know when we upload anything new President's key economic team goes to China. Uh, after a whole night banking, I say I still want to
0: do it. Hi everyone, we are Tech Bus China by Pandaily. Powered by the Seneca Podcast Network by SubChina, where bi weekly podcast focus on giving you a peek into what's buzzing within the tech community in China. We uncover and contextualize unique insights, perspectives, and takeaways on headline tech news that don't always make it into English language coverage. So you can be smarter about the world of China Tech. Tech Buzz China is a part of
1: pandaily.com, an English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation.
0: I am one of your two co-hosts, Ying Lu. And I'm your other co-host, Ray Ma. Don't forget to check out other podcasts in the Seneca Network. And we're also proud to be partnered with Financial Times' Tech Scroll Asia, which is a newsletter on Asia tech news from one of the best publications in the business. Go sign up today. And as
1: always, we are still looking for more reviews on Apple Podcasts. Send either of us a screenshot of your review, and we'll be so happy to gift you a free three-month subscription to our Extra Buzz newsletter. You can send me an email at ying at techbuzzchina.com. Several of you have already claimed this, and we love it when you do. Thanks so much.
0: Well, the C stands for what you would expect, which is consumer, and the M stands for manufacturer, or manufacturing, or sometimes some publications refer to it as manufactory, which is apparently an old way of saying factory. But I think you get the point. However, what does C to M actually mean? Well, usually the two refers to the sales process, as in B2C, B2B, etc. But In C2M, are consumers somehow selling to manufacturers now? Are we supplying factories with raw supplies? Obviously not.
1: Consumers are still the buyers and consuming. So this acronym is kind of marketing spin and not really all that accurate, but it's not completely off base either. The idea is basically that consumers do have something to offer manufacturers that is very valuable and that manufacturers haven't really gotten great access to in the past, and that is ourselves, which is really just basic information on who we are and what we like to buy, our preferences. Wait a
0: minute. You're probably thinking the same as I did when I heard this. What do you mean that manufacturers don't know consumer preferences? How is anything made then? Don't the brands do a ton of market research, prototype testing, you know, all that stuff that I paid six figures and went to business school to learn about? All that is
1: absolutely correct. But let's separate the brand with its team of designers and marketers from the actual manufacturer who may know a lot less about what consumers want. So there are really multiple things at play here. Suppose you are an entrepreneur and you've done a Kickstarter campaign and verified that there are people out there who want to purchase your newly designed product. For most products, even really simple ones, it will probably take you at least 18 months to get from something drawn out on paper to an actually shipped product. And very often, you'll probably find yourself making it in China
0: with a Chinese manufacturer. Okay. Yes, that's true. And actually, when I did investing in China, I visited a few factories and talked to a bunch of supply chain consultants to understand just how difficult it would be to make a new wearable, for example. And all that you said sounds about right. If I recall correctly from what I wrote for TechCrunch a long ago on this subject, you can't compress this to 12 to 14 months, but That's if your project is simple, you're really, really lucky, and just nothing goes wrong at all. Right.
1: And as you wrote in your article, Ray, a lot of things can and do go wrong. Not to mention, can you even find a manufacturer in the first place? You might think that your few hundred or even thousand pre-orders are signs of the next consumer hit, but most likely you will fail and the best manufacturers don't want to work with your unproven notions. So you'll probably end up working with someone who isn't that great, but who's a little bit desperate and so willing to take a chance on something new, but might not be able to deliver the superior quality you want, which then further
0: decreases your chances of success. And that, my friends, is just one of the reasons why the old ways of manufacturing were so inefficient. There are myriad others. But a lot of the inefficiencies stem from the fact that you have these separate pockets of expertise, right? You have the consumers who know what they want. Well, not all the time, but some of the time. You have the manufacturers who know how to make things when provided with specifications. And you have the brands who own the customer relationship, come up with the specifications and then execute on the actual selling of the product more or less. Maybe they do it directly through the internet, like in D2C, direct-to-consumer brands, or maybe they do it through other channels like department stores or whatever. And to simplify... You can think of it as, in the beginning,
1: there was this clear delineation between manufacturers and brands, where manufacturers are almost seen as super clueless about what consumers want, because they just did what they were told by the brands. For the most part, they were OEMs, which stands for Original Equipment Manufacturers, and they are a type of contract manufacturer. OEMs basically take orders from their clients on exactly what to make. So, for example, Foxconn is an OEM for Apple. Apple designs everything, and Foxconn
0: just makes it. But in many industries, as OEMs accumulated more experience, they started to transition into ODMs, which stands for Original Design Manufacturer. That is, they started designing and manufacturing the products so that brands could go to them, give them some criteria, yes, but not an actual design, and the ODM would draw it up and make it. This is advantageous because they are obviously going to design things that they're confident their factories can make. And also because they're probably making the same type of thing for multiple brands, they can get quite good at the design part to the point where you could honestly just slap on your own logo if you're a brand and you're working with a really good ODM. Okay, slight exaggeration, but you get our point. So technically, if you are working
1: with an ODM and you are doing something they already know how to make pretty well, then this could be a pretty fast process. A lot of private labels and niche brands work this way, for example. Say you are a DJ and you thought you could sell your own wireless headphones. Well... Assuming you had a great marketing plan, a ready customer base, and a few criteria you knew for sure your fans wanted, you could go to an experienced headphone ODM and give them that list of criteria and a budget, and they could design and make everything for you. You don't need to know how to do any of this yourself.
0: But then, of course, the natural next step is, if I'm doing all the design and all the manufacturing, then why am I not also the brand? Why someone else getting all that markup? Well, of course, when it comes to traditional retail, branding and selling is a pretty different skill set from simply making things, even if you're also designing those things. So even though lots of ODMs could see the much fatter margins in branded goods, they couldn't really act on it. Or sometimes they did but they would fail pretty miserably. But then came
1: e-commerce and platforms like Amazon, which just made it so much easier to sell anything, even unbranded goods. You did need to have the right product specs, but as for the brand, it wouldn't be anything you've heard of because it would just be something the ODM made up.
0: Maybe the factory's own name or maybe some unpronounceable made-up word. So there are significant economic incentives to creating and selling under your own brand rather than just being the manufacturer. But it wasn't just greed that pushed more and more ODMs to want to connect with consumers directly. The Chinese government also pushed hard for the entire industry to move up the value chain. Especially local governments looking to make their economies more resilient. They really pushed for businesses to create their own brands. And they had all these initiatives to encourage or sometimes even mandating businesses to do so. And they had really good reasons
1: for doing so. So much of the news on China's economy in the last 10 years, and even now, was about how it's slowing down. The global economy was taking its sweet time to recover from the great financial crisis of 2009. The Chinese currency was appreciating, labor costs were increasing, the country had overproduced in some sectors, etc. The end result being, everyone was like, if we don't shift more to internal consumption, we are really screwed. I mean, It's really still the same today.
0: Yeah, I remember very distinctly from 2012 maybe or so onwards when more and more people I knew in manufacturing were moving out of China in one way or another. And in 2015 in particular, that year was considered a winter for Chinese manufacturing with bankruptcies all over the country. I know it doesn't feel that way for those of us working in tech since those were boom years, whether you were in the US or China, but you only have to read some macroeconomic summaries from 2015 to know that it was actually kind of bleak for most of the rest of the world.
1: But what about those who stayed? Well. It depended on who you were. Let's suppose you were a more established factory with a pretty fancy clientele, but said clientele weren't buying as much, or at least not growing as much as in past years, and you were being squeezed by rising costs and declining orders. Well, because you had become this very professional ODM over the years, you could pretty
0: easily go from exporting overseas to selling domestically. And Chinese internet companies saw the opportunity to do just that. If you guys remember TechBuzz episode 53, which was on NetEase, we talked about one of their initiatives, Wang Yi Yanxuan, which is an e-commerce site that they launched in April of 2016. And the way Yanxuan branded itself was that Hey guys, this is our private label, but since we work with ODMs that service the big multinational brands in the world, you can kind of think of shopping with us as getting the big brand quality without paying for the big brand markup. Let's be clear, this isn't
1: C to M. The ODMs are still working with a brand, Yanxuan even if that brand's whole shtick is that it isn't a brand, sort of along the same line as Amazon Basics, but leaning a lot harder into the ODM's credentials. Anyway, the end result was that this wasn't just for the bargain hunters. Even urban, hip consumers were totally buying into this. You just had to have the right merchandise, which in Chuan's case, were elegantly designed home goods and small consumer electronics
0: in the style of Japan's Muji, what, though, if you actually completed the chain? What if you were a platform instead of a private label brand, and you did allow ODMs to market their own brands, alongside whatever credentials they have of making stuff for other people? Then you would have, voila, Shangcheng. We're guessing you've never heard of this Chinese e-commerce company, but the name means must-have marketplace.
1: Well, you haven't heard of it because it's not that popular, and there isn't a ton of data on it. Third-party analytics tell us that it's been downloaded 150 million times, but that its ranking is barely in the top 150 apps overall. But it is interesting because it is, by its own proclamation anyway, the first C2M company, because C2M, the word, was coined by its founder.
0: So Biao is founded earlier than Yan Xuan in 2014 by this ex-Baidu marketing director and CEO assistant named Bi Sheng. CEO assistant is actually kind of like a big role in China. So of course, when he left and founded his own vertical e-commerce startup, he had no trouble raising money. But despite several pivots from toys to shoes and then to even making his own brands, the company he found it, which was called Le Tao,
1: it failed. Even before he failed, though, Bi Sheng was experimenting with a C2M business, which he defined as cutting out the middlemen and letting the factory sell direct to the consumer. What he was really selling was the combination of made-to-order and direct-from-manufacturer. Anyway, as we now know, his initial attempt failed, maybe because he was doing everything from downtown Beijing, very far away from the factories. For Bi Yao, however, he moved to Zhuhai in Guangdong province, part of the Pearl River Delta manufacturing hub, and the venture was successful. As far
0: as we can tell, anyway, the company is very secretive, maybe because Bi Sheng's last failure was so public. Bi Yao has never disclosed its investors nor its valuation. All the government databases show that a bunch of local VCMP funds have put in money, after it was self-funded for the first two years anyway. As for how well it's doing? Well, it supposedly reached about half a billion dollars of sales last year, and it's rumored to have been profitable since 2016. If that's really true, then all the outside money came in after it reached profitability, which would indeed be really rare, not just in China, but Anywhere, really.
1: Biao's business model is simple. It takes 2 to 15% of each sale made. By default, products are ranked by user reviews, so you can't jump the queue just by paying more for marketing. And prices are kept low by having an agreement with manufacturers that they cannot charge prices that are more than 15% above their cost. What makes it different from other companies, though, is how high the bar is for the manufacturers on its platform.
0: Right. For example, after two years, it only had 15 manufacturers on its platform, since they had to be already working with big international brands and designers in order to be even considered. Additionally, these manufacturers have to maintain a sub-7% return rate and sub-1% battery rating rate, or else they would be kicked off. Sounds like it would be an amazing deal for consumers, right?
1: I mean, it kind of is. If you go to Biao's website, you can find lip balm from the same supplier to Dior for $12 versus $34 on Sephora USA. That's 65% cheaper already, but it's even cheaper if you compare it to the product's retail price in China, which is closer to $46. This is because a lot of the foreign brands have additional markups in China due to tariffs and whatnot, even if they're actually manufactured
0: in the country. That's a big selling point but upon closer inspection, I'm not sure this narrative is that airtight. The app does have a pretty good rating on app stores, but if you look elsewhere, there are lots of complaints as well. Zhihu, or China's Quora, for example, is full of threats about how the company seeks to delete bad reviews, which isn't an uncommon tactic. So without ever having bought from them personally, it's really hard for me to say whether or not it's as good as it claims. Plus, I also did think that maybe some of the requirements didn't even make that much sense. I mean, gross profit can't be over 15% for the manufacturers. Do they mean net? Because gross profit is supposed to be 25 to 30% for most factories for them to stay afloat.
1: Well, what we do know is that it's become much more well-known over the last two years. They got a great endorsement from a famous business writer, and also were in the news for their Beat Costco campaign. Remember last year when Costco opened its first Chinese storefront in Shanghai to great fanfare? Well, they did a big promotion where if you could find anything in Costco that costs less than it did on Biao, then you could get 10 times the difference in price as
0: compensation. Honestly, though, is Biao really that sexy? It sounds like they found manufacturers who are already pretty advanced in terms of flexible manufacturing and then just package them into this clean interface to sell their stuff on demand, more or less. This is more a validation of just-in-time manufacturing, in my opinion. How much is the ability to be directly connected with consumers actually changing these factories' businesses, other than having a different end customer and higher margins? What else is happening?
1: Well, Biao, of course, will tell you that this is absolutely revolutionary to the manufacturers. If you think about it, the factories had very little direct information about their products. Their decisions on what to make are based on what the brands were willing to buy in bulk a few times a year. But now, Biao's systems are fully plugged into the factory's enterprise resource planning systems, so now they could allocate their resources super efficiently in
0: real time. That might be true. But as we can see from BL's sales, this just isn't that big yet because this still sounds like a version of removing the middleman and doing, like I said, just-in-time manufacturing, which sure, it makes sense for some products, but it's not actually fundamentally a new way of consumption. So even though Bi Sheng came up with the phrase C2M, I think he missed the real opportunity, which is to use this valuable consumer data to predict and shape new products. So not customization, but new product
1: creation, which is where China e-commerce is at today. All of the major platforms, Alibaba and Pinduoduo, of course, but also Suning and JD, have announced some version of using data to aggregate demand and help create new brands,
0: or at least new products. So my favorite example comes from Alibaba's website. It was earlier this year, and it was in response to COVID-19. Basically, Alibaba saw that, Their consumers were searching for alcohol based car cleaning supplies and they were unable to find them. So the C2M product specialists at Alibaba found a reputable manufacturer, went to them and said, Hey guys, based on the data we have, you guys should make a 75% alcohol spray in plastic bottles suitable for car surfaces. And oh, yeah. We can help you guys organize a crowdfunding campaign even before you kick off production. The manufacturer, armed with all this data, was confident
1: and knew exactly what to make. And thanks to the pre-orders, probably got a good idea of how much to make, too. So they redid their production lines in three days and started getting products out the door. This really is a pretty good story of what C2M
0: can achieve at its highest level. Well, it's what all of the platforms are claiming to try to do. I mean, it makes sense in a way, because this is a way to get more merchants, right? I mean, you've saturated the brands, maybe. Well, now go to the suppliers. Use all that data you have to help factories launch new products that you already know will sell well. What's not to like about that?
1: Nothing, really. And in a way, it's an extension of what Pindoduo has been doing for a while. Remember, Pinduoduo grew so fast precisely because it was very good at recommending really cheap but extremely popular hit products, known as Baokuan, to its consumers, easily hitting the order minimums that made it economical for the suppliers to make the product in the first place. In case it wasn't clear, much like ByteDance's TikTok, Pinduoduo has a feed that recommends items for you to buy. An inverse of search of sorts where the product finds you versus
0: you go and look for the product. Upending search. Hmm, certainly a common theme in many of the Chinese products out in the last decade. Anyway, Pinduoduo has formalized this in their 2018 new brand initiative, which promised to transform 1,000 OEMs into... OBMs, which is their new word for original brand manufacturer. The sales pitch goes like this. We have a ton of customers and a ton of data on what they like to buy. So you come meet our quality standards and we'll help you design and sell a new product under your own brand. So for example, the
1: case study they highlight, this company called Jia Wei Shi, which already makes stuff for Bissell, Honeywell, etc. Pindodo accepts them into the program, helps them design a robot vacuum cleaner, and in order to build up consumer trust, the factory has to live stream its manufacturing process. And because Pindodo is throwing traffic at this product and is basically endorsing its legitimacy,
0: the company is able to sell a hundred thousand units in the first few months. So the corporate case study claims that even the robot vacuum's padding was improved by Ping R&D team, which does not sound scalable to me, and it's probably not even good business practice. But in other examples, Dodua has apparently been able to help them with identifying the right price point and even designing the packaging. That makes much more sense to me. The company is basically a marketing platform after all, and aggregating demand is their bread and butter.
1: So these are the two main ways C2M has developed in China. And if you ask us, the second one, where you're actually able to use timely consumer data, maybe even in real time, to inform suppliers what to make, how to price, and who will buy their product, well, then... Isn't that kind of taking over a lot of the know-how of a brand already? Just not the actual brand itself? I think so too.
0: And that's what's really exciting about this whole trend. But this is not to say that brands are useless. There's still a ton of value in the story and the emotional attachment people have to the brand. It's just more that with the greater availability of consumer data being collected by all these e-commerce marketplaces brands should probably figure out a way to leverage it too, because their suppliers certainly aren't holding back. And some brands are. Jing Daily, which probably had the best
1: article we've read on C2M, noted that the Italian designer, Sergio Rossi, excuse my pronunciation, worked with JD.com and leveraged the company's data to design a new product, a short logo boot, which encapsulated two design criteria that are popular with JD's customers. For those of you unfamiliar with the brand, their boots usually cost $800 to $1,500 a pair. So
0: this was like a real luxury shoe here. And even those brands who manufacture their own goods, like Bosi Deng, are getting in on the action. You can find them on the Taobao Special Offer app, which is Alibaba's newly launched C2M platform connecting factories directly to consumers. Available since March of this year, the goal is to help factories in their digital transformation and, of course, beat Pinduoduo at their own game with incredibly low-priced goods, directly from the supplier.
1: Although the listings do say Chang Huo, or factory goods, unlike "biao" and the older versions of Yan Xuan, there isn't any discussion on which name brands these factories already work with. All you know is that it's factory direct and thus will save you money. As for the quality, I guess you can read the user reviews, but mostly you're going to have to trust Alibaba's selection
0: process. Yeah, C2M's data play is still pretty new. And the main value proposition so far, to the consumer anyway, seems to be price. So it doesn't always make that much sense for the manufacturer. I asked my friend Ben Young, COO at Fujicon, a publicly listed ODM OEM, about this. And I couldn't get him on audio, but he sent over a few quotes, which I'll paraphrase here. Basically, he thinks it might work, but it's going to have to be pretty commoditized, simple to make products, where users don't care too much about the branding. And
1: where the user experience is really simple. We sent him that
0: Alibaba story
1: about the disinfectant, but as a mature consumer electronics ODM, he was not impressed. I quote, Consumers are more discerning and care about the brand, hardware look and feel, software UI and UX, quality,
0: etc. that the brand carries, not what the product does alone. Definitely, the more complex the product, the less value is provided from the purchase and search data from the e-commerce platforms. But even on the manufacturing side, Ben is pretty skeptical. Because factories also have to buy raw materials and components, right? If... Products really are either made to order or they're you know changing constantly according to consumer tastes. The demand and the logistical challenge of just managing the incoming parts for the factory. Well, that's going to go up exponentially. And that's just very, very complicated. Which explains why most complicated things are still
1: made the way they are. Infrequent new product launches made in large batches. Sure, you can adapt to changing consumer needs if you're making a cleaning fluid, but if you're making a smartphone or even wireless headphones like Fujicon is
0: really good at making, probably not happening. So to wrap up, C2M stands for Consumer to manufacturer and was initially proposed by this entrepreneur named Bi Sheng in China, founder of Biao Marketplace, as a way to cut out the middleman. That includes the brands, the retailers, etc. And he wanted to directly connect the factories with the end user, make everything on demand, as it's ordered. This requires the factory's ERP, or Enterprise Resource Planning Systems, to be connected with that of Biao's systems. However, in recent
1: years, C2M has taken on a new definition as popularized by large e-commerce marketplaces such as Pinduoduo and Alibaba. In this iteration of c to m yes, the factories are also connected to the e-commerce giants. But instead of just order data, the e-commerce players are providing the factories with customer preferences
0: and ideas for new products. Not just details on what to make, by the way, but how much to sell it at, what it should be packaged in, how many to make, and probably who will buy it as well. Which they can use in crowdfunding campaigns to pre-sell And even, as some of these platforms have started to promise, financial assistance as well. That makes sense, right? If I'm one of those platforms and I'm so sure about the quality of my data on what to make and how much to make, why wouldn't I also fund part of this business? Seems pretty intuitive.
1: And as we said, not just factories can benefit from this, but brands themselves as well. What's kind of alarming, though, is just how much power the platforms have by virtue of their ownership of all this transactional data. Yeah, you could be like Amazon and start going deep into private label land. Or I guess the alternative is you can start a whole new business line digitizing factories for C2M. I guess that
0: eventually building a C2M platform might be a bigger business than just making your own brand like what Amazon's doing. But as of right now, C2M is still pretty small. Even the most generous estimate I saw placed it at just $2.5 billion in 2018, with the expectation that it will be at $6 billion or so in two years. That's in comparison to over a $1 trillion in total retail e-commerce in China in 2018. So C2M wasn't even 1%. And e-commerce as a whole has been growing at more than
1: 25% in the past couple of years. But COVID might have accelerated C to M by a lot, so you never know. Recall our alcohol-based car cleaning spray example. A decrease in exports and rapid shifts in consumer needs just make
0: data-driven manufacturing that much more interesting. That and the government's efforts into upgrading the entire manufacturing supply chain. Even so, it will take some time. We're talking about integrating enterprise software here and managing real physical supply chains not launching a new selfie app. But even though it's a long process, as with any interesting idea, those with fingers on the pulse of global innovation are going to try to export the model to everywhere they can. Even back in 2018, for example, I had already heard of an American startup trying a variation of C2M, focusing on cutting out the middleman part. The startup's called Italic, and it's one of a handful of
1: U.S. companies that are very similar to Yen Yanshuan, where you can buy unbranded goods directly from the suppliers to well-known brands. The twist is that you have to purchase a membership in order to take advantage of the deals, Costco-style What's probably unsurprising is that the founder is a Chinese-American whose family business is in
0: manufacturing, and he probably saw the opportunity before many others did. Maybe the completely customized, made-to-order clothing and other goods that brands have been talking about for ages can finally be realized as soon as these factories get more and more high-tech. But for the more complex goods like consumer electronics, though, we're probably stuck with what Ben calls late-stage customization, like getting your name engraved on your iPhone for now. Anyway, if we define C2M as representing agile manufacturing and data-driven product launches, I'm a fan. More efficiency, less waste is always the way to go. What do you think? Let us know.
1: Thanks for listening. And don't forget to write us that review for your free Extra Buzz subscription. Have any questions or suggestions? Email us. We really enjoyed putting this together and we're always open to any comments or suggestions. You can find us on Twitter at ThePanDaily, at China, and my personal account is YINGLU2020.
0: And my Twitter is spelled R-U-I-M-A. Tech Buzz China by PanDaily is powered by the Seneca Podcast Network on SubChina. PanDaily.com is an English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. Our producers are Tai Wei Chen and Kaiser Kuo. Thanks for listening.